0: Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. It's called up yonder when the roll is called up yonder when the roll is called up yonder when the roll is called up yonder. Called up yonder, called up yonder I'll be I'll take your Bibles with me, please, to Psalm one hundred and thirty. Psalm 130 tonight And uh, we'll open up the word of God We'll begin here And uh, then we've got one more passage we want to look at uh, In the New Testament and uh, hope to get to it all tonight. And uh, I know we've had a little bit of extensive preliminaries tonight. So I'm going to be mindful of that. Try not to keep you long. And uh, I've, I've uh, done my best to try to be a little bit more brief. Not this past Sunday morning. I had a lot a lot to cover. But, uh, but uh, then Sunday night, and then uh, tried to with the funeral. And I'm trying to get practice being more brief. Amen. And uh, so we'll see what we can manage tonight. Although I don't want to get too brief. Because I don't want you to be spoiled, amen? And, uh, but anyway, Psalm 130, uh, let's stand our feet, we'll read a few verses here, and, uh, but want to give what the Lord's put on our th- our, our heart here, and uh, let's see what the Word of God has to say. Psalm 130, verse number one, the Bible says, of course, the superscription states that this is a uh, song of degrees, and verse number one says, out of the depths, have I cried unto thee, O Lord? Lord, hear my voice, let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. Now, note verse number five. There's much preaching that could be done here in in Psalm 130. Uh, But I want us to take just a moment as we begin the message tonight. Look at just a small portion of verse number 5 of Psalm 130. When the Bible says, I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and notice this now, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenty. His redemption and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. You may be seated. Let's bow for a word of prayer together and we'll get into the message that the Lord would have for us tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come into your presence once again as thankfully and humbly, Lord, as we know how. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege it is to be back here at Beacon Baptist Church to worship with your people. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for another privilege that it to be able to stand behind the sacred desk, to be able to stand behind this pulpit and proclaim what thus saith the Lord in your word. And Father, I pray for the next few moments, God, that you would do a work that only you can do. Father, I pray that you would forgive us of sin, empty us of self, fill us with your spirit, use us for your glory. I pray, dear God, that you'd help me to say only the things that you'd have to be said. Nothing, nothing, Lord, that you wouldn't have to be said. Help me to rightly divine the word of truth. Help me to Preach the word of God in power. I mean to preach the word of God in a way that is easy uh, to be understood. God, I pray you would recall to my mind the things that I've studied, and uh, Lord, recall to my mind how you would have uh, for me to portray uh, these verses and these truths tonight. Father, I do pray, God, that you'd bind any opposing force of hell. Lord, I pray that you would drive out of here uh, any opposition that there may be, uh, Lord, especially in a spiritual sense uh, to the preaching of the word of God. I know the devil doesn't want us to hear, to preach the Word of God, doesn't want the people to hear the Word of God, doesn't want us to uh, live our life by the book. And God, I know he fights that. And I pray, dear God, that you would just, uh, Lord, help us to have a time that's unhindered tonight. Lord, I pray you would remove any distraction. I pray, dear God, that you would help us for a few moments to have our attention, uh, Lord, arrested by the Word of God and the truth from heaven, God, that you've given us for tonight. Help us, Lord, I pray, to come to your Word and Lord with it being rightly divided to apply it to our lives and I pray that you'd help us to take what we hear tonight and to walk in all the days of our life may it have a place of permanence in our heart and Lord I pray dear God that you would do that which only you can do again if there's one not saved I pray they'd be saved tonight Lord if there's one backslid I pray they'd get right with you tonight and I pray that all of your children would be fed and received from your word whatever it is they stand in need of tonight and only you can know what that is, and we pray, God, that you'd meet that need. Lord, in the name that is above every name, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. And amen When we come to this passage here in Psalm 130 It is according to the superscription above verse number 1 It is a part of a uh, a collection, a category of psalms A collection of psalms, a category within uh, the Psalter called the Songs of Degrees uh, The Songs of Degrees begin in Psalm 120 And they go all the way uh, through Psalm one hundred. And 33, there is a collection, 134, excuse me, Uh, this is a collection within the Psalms, and uh, there is uh, much to be said here as we think about what these songs of degrees are, and I don't really have time tonight to get into that, but there's many prevailing uh, thoughts as to uh, why these are called a song of degrees, one of the most uh, prevalent is the fact that uh, Jewish history would tell us that they would sing these songs songs while uh, they made their pilgrim journey back to the temple and they would come back as you know the Jews would come uh, several times a year for the different feast days and the different special days and uh, they would use these songs and they would uh, sing them as they uh, prepared to go to the house of God and as they would uh, see Jerusalem in focus they would begin to sing about the house of God and to sing about what God was going to do for uh, them when they got there to worship and uh, there's also many uh, that believe that uh, they would uh, even sing these songs as they would ascend the steps into the temple that there would be one song of degrees for every step that it would take to, descend, to ascend rather into the temple and they would stand on one set step and they'd sing Psalm 120 they'd go to the next one and it'd be Psalm 121 and so on and so forth until they had entered into to the house of God. And so when you read these, there is a, there is an application. There is an understanding uh, here that uh, these Psalms are uh, pertinent to us when it comes uh, to having a heart prepared uh, to worship. Amen. And no doubt when we come to Psalm 130, we would see that uh, in, uh, glaring, uh, in glaring, in glaring scriptural truth here. Uh, how could you not worship when you remember the truth and even think about your own life as uh, the unnamed psalmist here in Psalm 130 remembers a time where out of the depths he cried unto the Lord and he was begging for God to hear his voice and to be attentive unto him and he thinks about in verse number 3 there he talks about the Lord Lord he said if thou shouldest mark iniquities if you uh, should keep a record of all of my iniquities and you marked it down how would I be able how would any anyone uh, be able to stand before you and is that not the case tonight amen if God, uh, if God uh, truly did hold uh, every sin that we committed against him against us amen who would we who among us would be able to stand in the presence of our uh, thrice holy God but I'm telling you it gets a heart ready to worship when you think about all of the sins that could be marked amen but then to remember in Verse number 4, thank God that there is forgiveness with Him. Amen. That not just with the Lord. Yes there is sin that we do. I sin against Him but I'm glad when it comes to our God there is forgiveness with Him. Amen. And so we rejoice in that. He talks about in verse number 5 that I'm interested in uh, tonight he mentions this truth. He said I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait. And notice he mentions this and in his word do I hope amen you think about being someone where God is marking your sins and holding sins against you that doesn't seem very hopeful amen there's not much hope nor solace to be found in a God that is keeping a record of all of your sins and never wanting to forgive and never having forgiveness within himself but our God is not that way and there is forgiveness with And we know about that because of what God has declared about himself within the pages of his word and because of the word of God tonight we are able to have hope. When it comes to our sin, there's hopelessness. But when it comes to what the Bible says about a forgiving God, there is hope. Amen. And so tonight, I'm going to talk about that for just a moment. And then we've got another truth that I want to share tonight. But I'm thankful this evening that the Word of God gives us hope for life. Amen. I'm telling you, there's a lot of things in the Word of God that could cause us tonight. to be uh, kind of fearful of. Amen. You think about the way we are, and you think about having to give an account, amen, before God, if we're not living the way we ought to be, and we're not living close to the Lord, uh, there can be fearfulness that comes with that. There can be some, uh, there can be some uh, uh, moments of uh, of uh, un, un, unsettled and, uh, uh, feelings within ourselves. Amen. When we think about that. Amen. When we think about the judgment of God. When We think about all of those that the Bible has said are going to uh, leave this world and go into a devil's hell, not prepared for them. Oh, how heartbreaking that is. Amen. But here, as we consider the word of God, we do have hope in life, not just uh, the negative in the Bible, but even the both positive and negative. For those of us that are saved, we have hope for life when it comes to the word of God. The word hope, it literally carries is the idea of a a burning or a white hot heat. It is an expectation of that which is to come. A pictograph of something uh, that is hot. It is literally talking about a man uh, that is standing out in the desert sun under the heat of the burning sun waiting on the cool breeze of the wind to come by. And what that is saying is is that the Word of God offers you and I what that, that person sitting under a desert sun by burning under a desert sun As refreshing as it is When a cold breeze would blow by As someone that is under Intense heat, amen The word of God, when we are under The burdens of life, when the heat Has been turned on in our life And we seem to be burning under Pressure, and we seem to be burdened Under pressure, amen I'm glad that when we come to the word of God In moments of despair, in moments Of grief, in moments of discouragement In moments that are bad in life, I'm thankful that there in the Word of God is hope to be had, and a cool breeze of God's truth can come and can settle His people. Amen. Can I say tonight that this is not, this is just going to be really brief before we move on to the true burden of my heart tonight, but I'm glad to report to you that the Bible gives us a reason to have hope. I'm glad to report to you that the Bible gives us a reason to get up another day and to look forward. To the rising of the sun. Amen. To where we don't have to live every day of our life wanting to pull the covers over our head and wait to die. But thank God because of what the Bible says and the hope for the child of God and the future and who we have as our Lord, our master and our savior and what the Bible says about him and a relationship that can be had with him. We can look forward to tomorrow. We have hope hope for another day, amen I'm thankful for that, I'm thankful tonight that God gives us a reason in his word gives us hope in his word to press on and to go forward for God, to not quit or even slow down, amen when you think about what the Bible has to say, amen, I've heard it said before, Dr. McAbee said all the time in Bible college that there is no getting off point for the child of God, amen we have started a walk with God We've started a relationship with God. And can I encourage you, if you'll just get in the Bible and get in the Word of God and let it get in you, you may be discouraged. You may be depressed. Your heart may be disheartened tonight. But can I remind you that in the Word of God, we have hope to not quit, to not throw in the towel, to not give up. Amen. But to keep on going for a God that has not quit on us, that doesn't slow down When it comes to His investments and His blessings in our life. Amen. There is no getting off point. There is no reason to slow down. Amen. There's only a reason to be revived and to refire and to rekindle our heart and our love and our devotion and our service for our God. Amen. Amen. Psalm 130 says, In thy word do I have hope. Now go with me tonight to Second Peter chapter number 1. 2 Peter chapter number 1 tonight. This is where the true burden of my heart is for tonight. I, I did want to remind you in the Word of God we have hope. Amen. And I hope that encourages you uh, this evening. Amen. But here's the last thought I want to give you tonight. And this is a more extensive thought. So we'll see how we, how we do tonight. Amen. But in the Bible we have the word A word that gives us hope for life But lastly according to 2 Peter chapter 1 And verse number 19 In God's word We have something that we can trust More than our own experiences Notice what the Bible says 2 Peter chapter number 1 Let's look at verse number Let's look at verse number 17 tonight here in this passage Peter is about to describe well let's go back to verse 16 Peter's about to describe an event that took place in his life and uh, his experience within the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus He says in verse 16 for we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ But notice this now notice this last phrase but eyewitnesses of His majesty. He is describing here that there has been a point in his life where he physically saw the majesty of God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He describes that moment in verse 17. He said, for he received from God the Father honor and glory. When did that happen? He mentions it here. When the there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased and this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. He is describing the moment where Peter, James and John were there in Matthew 17 on the mount of transfiguration and the Bible said that Jesus was Transfigured Before them in that Moment as the Lord Jesus Christ was shining in all Of his godly glory Peter is saying that it was There that we were eyewitnesses Of his majesty it was There that we heard God's Voice and we saw a God placing uh, uh, Placing a sovereign Honor and glory Upon his son and we were Eyewitnesses of that I want to say this tonight As much as I in my life have tried to live for the Lord and love God, I have not seen that with these eyes. But Peter has. Verse 18 says... And this voice which came from heaven, we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. I've never been with Jesus in a physical way uh, like that as far as the body is concerned. Now, there have been plenty of times in prayer and in preaching and in studying the Bible where I felt like I was there with him. Amen. I hope you know what that feels like and have experienced that. Amen. But I have not been with him and have a, a physical body and laid eyes. Upon him with eyes of flesh. But here the Bible says in verse number 19 that I nor anyone in this building have had to have that. That is something Peter had. That's something James had. That's something John had in Matthew 17. But I don't have to have that to know that Jesus is the Christ. I don't have to know that to serve the Lord. I don't have to have that to go on with hope and with anticipation of what God can do in my life. I have, verse uh, 19 says, verse 19 says... That you and I, yes, you and I, here in 2022, have something better than a mount of transfiguration experience. He says in verse 19, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Now let's pause right there in our reading for me to say this what they saw in Matthew 17 what they saw on the mount of transfiguration that was a sure word of prophecy concerning Jesus and what i mean by that is that very experience told Peter James and John a lot about Jesus a lot about who he was a lot about the power that he had and the glory that he had and the majesty that he had. Oh, it surely was a sure word about Jesus to them. But the Bible says you and I have something. I would submit to you that you and I walked in this building tonight with something. Yes, that is a sure word. But the Bible says it's a more sure word even than what Peter, James and John had as they physically laid their eyes upon a transfigured Christ. Verse 19 again, we have also a more sure word. Of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy, no teaching, no uh, no uh, declaration from the scripture of the scripture is of any private interpretation. It is not for me to be able to say this is what uh, the Bible says apart from what it is actually saying in its context. I don't have a right to tell you this. And by the way, this is one of my problems with the so-called modern Bible scholars of our day. They have taken this King James, and I didn't come to preach preach on the King James Bible, but uh, I'll take any opportunity I can to do so. I do believe this is the Word of God. Amen. Uh This Bible is the only one in English that you can buy from a bookstore that was not interpreted by a publisher. It was not interpreted by a translator. It was translated exactly from uh, the, the manuscripts that they had and they did not put their own slant into what they, what they believed those verses to be saying. That's one of the reasons why our King James translation They didn't even capitalize words in the text unless it was capitalized in the manuscripts. Because if you know anything about the English language, the fact that one letter on a word is capitalized says a lot about that word right. our king our, let me tell you our King James translators were so honest that if there was a word that completed the phrase, completed the idea of what the trans uh, the translations they were using, what their what the original Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, as they translated, if there was a word that did not exactly Translate but it was supplied by Them to complete the thought Behind uh, what the verse Or what the word or whatever the phrase uh, Was saying they were Honest enough to take that word that they Supplied and put it in italics This is an honest Bible that we have Amen. We, our King James Bibles, were not written, were not, it was not translated by men that tried to have a private interpretation of what the scriptures say. They translated it as... The best they could they tra- I believe God was in that process Gave us a preserved Perfect Bible And I believe with all of my heart That when we come to this Bible There is no private Interpretation The Bible means what it says When it says what it does And the only way to understand What God is saying Is to take the Bible Where it is in its context For what it says And to understand it in that way I'm glad tonight That I'm not preaching to you Out of a new international version I'm glad that I'm not reading in my devotions A new living translation I'm glad that I don't I'm not going to be bringing into church Or into our putting into our Young people's hands A so called message bible That has the name of the author On the spine and it does, on the spine, it does not say God. It says Eugene Peterson on the side. The man who took a Bible and a notepad, and he paraphrased the Bible on that notepad and put it in print. And said this is a translation you can use I'm not interested in what Eugene Peterson had to say I'm interested in what God said Amen What he did Was a private interpretation But we need what God has said And in what God has said We have what we need To have a more sure word of prophecy Even than our own experience Amen Why Verse 21 says For the prophecy came not in old times by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. My, thank God, my Bible is a Holy Ghost book, not a man-made book. Amen. Right. Amen. So. When it comes to the Bible, that truth about us having a more sure word of prophecy, how that, notice he says here in verse number 19, now Peter said this, he said, we have, notice this word, also a more sure word of prophecy. Here's what Peter's saying. Peter says, in this hand, I have my experiences And in this hand, I have the Bible. He said, I have my experiences. And for Peter, what experiences they were. Walking with Jesus, hearing Jesus speak, knowing, living with Jesus for three and a half years of his earthly ministry, all the way to the day of Jesus' physical death by crucifixion. He saw him die, buried, rose again. He saw him ascend up to heaven. He saw him, as the Bible says, transfigured. Transfigured and all of his glory as God on that amount of transfiguration. And he says, I have all of this experience with God and I have to elevate his own words above my own experience. And by the way, we're living in a day. To where what Peter was able to do with ease there in this verse, a lot of so-called Christians still to this day have a hard time doing. It's not about what you've experienced. It's not about what you've seen. It's not about what you've heard. It's not about any of that. It is about what God has said. And what God has said in his word is a more sure word. A more sure testimony of the reality of events than even what we've seen with our eyes and heard with our ears and what we've experienced in this life let me just real quickly give you some and I I should have known I wasn't gonna get very far let me just give you a short example First, let me say this. Let's talk about as we consider this more sure word of prophecy and that we can, through the word of God, trust what he has said in his Bible over our own experiences in life. Let me first of all say something about when it comes to that, what we must do. We must trust the Word of God over our own experiences. First thing I'll mention when it comes to trusting God's Word over our own experiences, and this will be as far as I get tonight, we have got to make sure that we trust God's Word over our own experiences when it comes to our doctrinal stand. Amen. Let me give you an example tonight. Turn your Bibles with me, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter number 14. 1 Corinthians chapter number 14. There is an entire denomination. I'm getting all tangled up in my microphone here. There's and there are entire not said an entire there are plural entire denominations of so-called Christians who have built their denomination and built their churches and built their entire doctrinal beliefs heavy-handed on experience and very lightly emphasizing what the Bible actually says when you take what the Bible has said to some of these people and you tell them this is what the Bible said and those of you that have witnessed to folks and talked to folks like like this and I have I'm telling you if I had a doll, I'd be I'd be a very well-off man if I had a dollar for every time I heard I gave somebody the Bible and they said I know what the Bible says but I know what I've experienced I know what the Bible says but I'm trusting in my experience, what I have seen, what I have heard. And we just saw in, in uh, uh, with, with what Peter said there uh, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, that it's not God's will for us to trust our experiences when the Word of God is more sure than our experiences. Our experiences will fail us. Our perspective will fail. Us, Our experiences will cause us to come short of understanding the true reality of events and doctrine of the Bible and what God has said and what is real. Amen. What is true, God has not lied to us, but our experiences can. The way we see things can. Our vantage point can can sway us. But the Bible is not interested in swaying your opinion in any way other than to that which is true. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. The, and I'm just mentioning one, but the entire Pentecostal denomination is heavy handed on experience. The church church of God is very heavy on experience. And this particular doctrine that they wholeheartedly believe concerning the gift of tongues and sign gifts, I'm telling you, they have always, if you talk to them about their services, and what I mean by sign gifts, I'm talking about tongues. I'm talking about healings. I'm talking about miracles. I'm talking about uh, I'm talking about uh, What mark talking? We'll look at that verse here in a minute about drinking deadly poison and not being hurt taking up Serpents and not being harmed all that I'm telling you all those snake handling churches out there in Kentucky They are taking their experience over the Word of God Amen, because if you if you study one verse of Scripture, one verse in the 16th chapter of Mark, you'll leave these doors a snake handler. But if you study all of the Word of God in its context and the whole, the whole doctrine of this, you don't need to be handling snakes. actually kind of foolish if you do, amen. You don't need to be trying to drink Drano tonight. You will kill yourself doing that. You don't have a scriptural protection that was for the apostles in their day, as they were uh, being blessed by God with those sign gifts, used uh, to be a witness to the Jewish people who wouldn't just believe the preaching of the apostles. And the Jews saw First Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty-two said, "For the Jews require a sign, but the Greeks seek after wisdom." You could just take the Bible And preach it to a Jew And they believed it Their mantra was in, in practicality Was seeing is believing I'm not going to believe Unless I see something They were heavy handed on experience Not as much On the revelation of God's word So let me just mention this Let me say something real quickly Here in First Corinthians 14 Just to show you about What the Bible says First Corinthians 14. Let me say something about uh, the procedure of tongues as a sign gift. First Corinthians chapter 14 verse number 1. The Bible says follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts. But notice this now. First thing I'm going to tell you about the procedure of tongues and other sign gifts, tongues in particular, is that tongues according to the Bible not according to experience but according to the Bible was to be secondary in the preference of a Christian if you look at most Pentecostal churches if you talk to most charismatic so called Christians if you talk to them all they want is to speak with tongues they'll say this brother Daniel if you don't speak with tongues you're not saved here, here, here's what they use. Tong- they say, speaking in tongues as evidence of the, fi- fi- the, of the evidence of salvation and the filling of the Spirit. They say that if you do not have tongues as an evidence in your life, or if you don't do it in your life, that is proof positive you've not been saved. Because they say it is an evidence of salvation. There's only one problem with that. And the problem is called the Bible. The Bible never once teaches that tongues is a, it has a sign of one's salvation. Here in verse number 1 of chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, they were told that they were to follow after charity. They were to desire spiritual gifts. Yes, not just tongues, but to desire spiritual gifts. But even in their desiring of spiritual gifts in a day where God was allowing them to speak in tongues as a way of evangelism to the Jewish people he said but rather in other words desire those spiritual gifts but desire rather that she may prophesy in other words that you may give the truth you may give the word of God you may give the Bible to somebody else it's not as preferable that she speak in an unknown tongue as much as you speak the truth and the gospel and the Bible in a known tongue. Verse chapter chapter 14. Verse 1 through 20. Bears that out. He talks about verse 2. For he that speaketh in an old known tongue speaketh not unto men. Why are they not speaking unto men? Because if it's an old none tongue, you're talking to someone that has the same. By the way, when the Bible talks about tongues, it's talking about languages. If you're speaking in an, it doesn't say a heavenly tongue. It says it's an unknown tongue, which means it's unknown by you. And it's unknown by other people that speak the same language you do. You don't, when you speak in tongues, in an unknown tongue, you're not speaking to men. Why? They speak the same language you do. They don't understand it just like you don't. But the Bible says you speak unto God. Why are you speaking unto God? Because God is one that understands all languages. for no no man understandeth him howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries, verse 3, but he that prophesies speaketh unto men to edification edification, when you speak the truth when you teach the Bible, when you share the gospel, when you share what the Bible says, when you quote a Bible verse when you preach the gospel to those of you preachers in here, when you do that, you speak unto men you speak unto men to edification, verse 3 you're building them up by what they hear, you are speaking unto them in exhortation, you are in Encouraging them. You are comforting them according to verse 3. Why? Because they can understand what you're saying and be blessed by it. Verse 5. Verse 4 rather. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. You're building yourself up because you're doing something other people can't do. But he that prophesieth edifieth the church. When I'm preaching the Bible to you right now, and if I was speaking this in Spanish, unless you are here and you are fluent in Spanish, it ain't gonna build you up, encourage you, comfort you, help you in any way. Why? Because most of us don't understand Spanish. But if I get up here and I'm preaching to you as I am in the in the in the English language, guess what? You can be blessed by it because you understand English. Verse 5. He noticed Paul said, I would. He Paul's talking about his preference. I would that she all spake with tongues, but rather that she prophesied. Why would it be good for a man to be able to speak in tongues as well as give the word of God in the gift give, the give of the truth in an unknown tongue, but also in an known tongue, because you have more of the ability to outreach? You can reach those that speak that unknown language, but you can also reach those that speak your language. Amen. He said, I would rather you speak in tongues, that all of you speak in tongues, but rather that you prophesy. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. Now, let me pause right here and say this. Notice he said that it is greater that he that prided, than he is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues. You, if you went in to the average charismatic church, tongues is the focus. It's what everybody aspires to. I've heard Pentecostal uh, and charismatic teachers say, if you want to speak in tongues, pray this out loud, and God will pour the baptism of the Holy Ghost on you, and all you have to do is ask for the gift, and God will give it to you. Again, there's only one problem with that, and the problem is the Bible. Amen. Right. Amen. 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 There's nowhere in the Bible that teaches that. Here, the Bible said that if you speak in tongues in the church, verse number five, and there is no interpreter, the Bible said that the church does not receive edifying. If you go into the average church that's speaking in tongues, I dare you to find an interpreter anywhere in the building. Here he says, if you have the supernatural gift of tongues, but there is no interpreter in the building, keep your mouth shut. It won't help anybody. I don't know why I was doing this. I guess I was just trying to punish myself. I don't know, but hey, uh, man. But I don't know why I was doing this. But I remember one one day many years ago, in my late teens, I was scrolling through the TV, and I came to Daystar. If you know what Daystar is, you know what I had. In store for me And I said I got a few minutes to kill I didn't have a good laugh today Let me see what's on Daystar for me And I heard Come on, I heard the music I recognized the music And it was Breakthrough With Pastor Rod Parsley And I said Oh man Here we go, I gotta get my daily breakthrough Brother Daniel So I listened and here's what Mr. Parsley said. World Harvest Church, Columbus, Ohio, his his church. Hundreds of people there. And he said, "Let's all speak in tongues at the same time." One two, three, and all of those hundreds of people, they let loose and a... That's all you heard. There wasn't an interpreter, Brother Tommy, anywhere in the building. If there would have been a God-called interpreter, he would have had to shut that whole crowd up. And go hundred by hundreds of people and say, now this is what that one said, and this is what that one said. Why did they do that? Because they were holding their experience over the Bible. And if you don't hold the Bible and let the Bible shape your doctrinal stand you will be in a church like that one all saying gibberish at the same time and forgetting that the Bible tells us, amen that that is not God's order it was supposed to be secondary in preference I don't have time to do your homework for you but that's verse 1 through 20 go back and read it sometime soon those verses are saying that It wasn't even supposed to be your true desire to speak in tongues, even in a day where God was using it for evangelism, evangelism of the Jewish people. Number two, the procedure of tongues as a sign gift, not only was it secondary in preference, but it was sovereignly provided. Verse 21 And I'm just going to touch this one and move on The Bible said in verse 21 And the law it is written with men of other tongues And other lips Will I speak unto this people And yet for all And this people by the way He's talking about the Jewish people He said and tow with men of other tongues And other lips Will I speak unto this people And yet for all that will uh, Yet for all that will they not hear me saith the Lord In other words God is saying I am behind this I am going to do this. This is something you'll never say that God never intended for there to be speaking in tongues. If you, do, if you believe that, you're not studying the Bible. But notice verse 22. Wherefore tongues are for a sign. Why did God allow it? They were for a sign. Verse 22. Not to them that believe. I don't have to speak in tongues in church for you. If every, By the way, if you go into a Pentecostal church, if everybody, and it just so happened, if everybody in the building there was saved, God would not allow even someone with a gift to speak in tongues to speak in tongues in this Corinthian day. Why? It's not meant for those that believe. It was to be a supernatural Miraculous gift as a sign To the Jewish people those That did not believe wherefore Tongues verse 22 are for a sign Not to them that believe but to Them that believe not but prophesying Serveth not for them That believe not but for them Which believe who's going to get The biggest blessing out of Preaching who's going to get the Biggest blessing out of the Bible Out of Bible teaching? it's not Going to be the lost crowd it's going to be the saved crowd amen the bible said verse 23 therefore if therefore the whole church be come together in one place and all speak with tongues and that's what mr parsley did And there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers Will they not say that they are mad But if all prophesy There come in one that believeth not Or one unlearned He is convinced of all He is judged of all Verse 25 And thus are the secrets of his heart Made manifest And so falling down on his face He will worship God And report that God is in you of a truth You give the gospel to a lost man you prophesy You give the truth You the Prophecy just means to declare You give the truth to a lost person Conviction will set in And they'll begin to be saved by the grace of God And walk with God But tongues ain't going to do much of nothing To help that unsaved person Why? They can't understand it Tongues Secondary in preference Sovereignly provided let me give you this and we'll be done I'm going to have to be done I wish I could get to the next one But unless y'all are to stay to midnight I know I'll get too carried away on that second part <laughs> Tongues are secondary in preference 1 Corinthians 14, 1-20 Sovereignly provided 1 Corinthians 14, 21-25 They're provided for a sign We've seen that Thirdly, they are to be spoken within protocol Spoken within protocol. That's verse 26 through verse 40. That's the rest of this chapter. Notice verse 26. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Here's God's standard For there's there's two let's look here in verse 26 and then we'll look at verse 40. God has two standards by which all of these sign gifts have to fall into. Okay. Look at the end of verse 26. Let all things be done unto edifying. If it's not edifying, if it's not building up, if it's not causing someone to either be saved or grow in their faith, then it is not of God. Let all things be done unto edifying when it comes to these sign gifts, tongues included. Verse 40 is the second litmus test. Let, everything, let, everything, let all things rather be done decently and in order. If there is no edification, is there? if there is no decency if there is no order then God is not going to let it be done in his church why in his church God expects the people to be edified he expects for all things to be done decently and in order the church is not meant to be a place that is not orderly the church is not meant to be a place where there is indecency all things are to be done decently and in order and unto edifying the bible says so these the speaking of tongues there is a protocol. It has to be edifying, has to be decent, has to be in order. There's more protocol to come. Notice the order that tongues are to be spoken in. Verse 27. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or notice this now, at the most by three. You know what that tells me? Rod Parsley holds experience over the scriptures. Because God said yeah, by two or at the most by three a church with hundreds of people Does not fall in the category of two or three there is an order? It has to be done decently and in order God has an order two or three that's an order you, two or three you can keep things organized and you can keep them to where they'll edify Because two or three, if if two or three give a tongue, that interpreter can hear them, understand them, and then give the sense of it that all of the church at that day and that day could have been edified. If you have hundreds of people at the same time, that's nothing but noise, and even an interpreter can't tell you what they all said. He's going to miss somebody. There's an order But then there's an interpreter We saw that Verse 28 But if there be no interpreter Let him keep silence in the church In other words Those individuals that have Even if Now notice what he says here Even if that individual Has a word That they feel like they could share In an unknown tongue God said if there is an, if there is an inter- no interpreter Let him keep silent it would be better for him to hold on to his message than it would be for him to give it and nobody understand it. Because it would not be decent, it would not be orderly and it would not produce edifying. Verse 28, if there be no interpreter let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let the prophets speak two or three and let the other judge. If any, if anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let, he, let the first hold his peace. For ye may all prophesy one by one when it comes to prophecy we're gonna hear one message one scripture one truth whatever it is one at a time okay we see that there the Bible said there in verse says verse 31 that all may learn and all may be comforted that way they can all hear the message all be edified all be blessed by it all learn all be comforted verse 32 and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets for God is not the author of confusion but of peace as in all churches of the saints why is there an order so that there will be no confusion God wants us to understand. He doesn't want us to be confused. We don't come into church to be confused. We come into church to be edified, to be comforted, to be blessed by God's Word. Amen. And by the ministry of that church. Now, we see an order in verse 27. That's part of this protocol. We see an interpreter, verse 28 through 33. That is part of this protocol. Now, I'm going to say something here about the participants. There are participants in God's protocol Rather, there are some that are excluded from participating Verse 34, ladies don't get upset at me now Verse 34, let your women keep silence in the churches And in this context, he's talking about prophesying He's talking about teaching He's talking about declaring the truth of God. He's talking about handling the Word of God in a public sense to that congregation. Now, I, I, let me say this. According to this context, I do not believe that this is saying that a woman cannot say amen. I do not believe that this means that a lady cannot praise the Lord. This, if that was the case, then we can't have any of you ladies singing here. If you've got to keep silence, it's hard for you to... You couldn't even sing with the hymns. But last I checked, the Bible said, Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. So, obviously, it's not talking about praise. It's not talking about worship. It's talking about declaring and handling the Word of God. And don't get mad at me, but we know what happened in the very beginning of it all when a woman for the first time tried to handle the Word of God. Eve tried to tell tried tried to speak what God had said and she added to and took away from the word of God. Now again don't get mad at me but from that very moment God said that he was going to use a man. He was going to use men to declare the word of God. Women have their place in a church. Women have a vital place in the church. I believe women can have an elevated place in the church as far as being prayer warriors, as far as being being worshipers in the church, as far as being uh, encouragers in the church. Paul, in his writings, have a lot to say about the blessed ladies that are in the church. If it wasn't for the women in Jesus' life, we wouldn't have much of what we have about his death and resurrection. God used the devotion of godly ladies in the past. But here, God is saying that it is not in his protocol for women to declare the truth of God in the church. There is a leadership role to telling people what God said. And here, the participants of speaking in that regard, handling the Bible preaching the truth, teaching the truth uh, to the whole congregation is reserved for men. Verse 34, let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience. They are to commanded to be in a, in a submissive, reverent role, just like in the home, so in the church. They are commanded to be under obedience, as saith the law, and if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. What? Came the word of God out from you and came it unto you only? If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. If any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Tonight, as I have began, To give just a little bit of an example of one thing that we're seeing in our day as people holding their experience over the word of God. I have reminded you that we are in a day and in a moment where God had implemented this sign gift of tongues and other sign gifts as a as a sign to the Jewish people to see them saved and to prove the truth of God to them and to prove the Lord Jesus Christ to them. What we find here is that the way that people look at this gift has no bearing in scripture in this day Paul said forbid them not to speak with tongues in other words God uses it there's a purpose there's a reason as long as it's done to edifying as long as it's done decently as long as it's done in order there's a purpose Now the next time we'll get into a little bit why just to finish up this example as to why today we here at Beacon Baptist Church are going to not do what verse 39 says when Paul said forbid not to speak with tongues. If you come in this church and you start speaking in tongues, guess what me and probably some other men are going to say, nope, we're not going to let you do that. We're going to forbid speaking in tongues Paul said forbid not That was his day In this moment Within this protocol And these guidelines As he is using that gift To elevate the scriptures In this day But we'll see a little bit later About just this particular gift As to why we do Forbid the speaking in tongues Why we say that we don't do that anymore And how it has been perverted in our day to elevate experience over the word of God. Let's pray together. Let's have our heads bowed, eyes closed. Everybody stand across the building for a time of invitation. If you need to come, you come on tonight. If you need to come, you come on tonight. Let's do business with the Lord. Let the Lord speak to our hearts. I know this message was a little bit different. Didn't get as far as I wanted to get. But I do believe we saw some things and saw a a principle from the Word of God tonight. Let's make sure that we have a proper relationship with the Bible. Let's make sure that we let the Bible say what it says. Let's elevate the Word of God in our life and not do what others have. And even us Baptists can at times say i know what the bible says but i know what i've experienced let's not let our experience get in the way of what god's word says and declares it is tonight and it always will be a more sure word of prophecy thank you for making us part of your day we would love to hear from you please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.